The reading is Luke chapter 9, verses 10 to 17. Jesus feeds the 5,000. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and the countryside and find food and lodging, because we are in a remote place here. He replied, You give them something to eat. They answered, We have only five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Thank you for that reading and for those prayers. They were lovely. Thank you. Some, I'll just share a little something with you that um, Vic Jacobson, who was the founder of Hope Now, was a, a very accomplished speaker, and he was, he, it was one of his favorite things to do, is to, to share um, both the Lord's Word and, and the work, and to uh, share, uh, he just liked sharing, he was an upfront man. I was very happy working for him as the office manager for a number of years, and just preparing things for him. Um, so the day he said to me, John, I want you to take over, was more than a shock, because I'm not an upfront man at all. So I apologize for any of my uh, speaking um, lack of accomplishments. Uh, but um, I do have a heart for the folk in Ukraine, and I believe that's why the Lord has led me here. Um, I think it was five years ago I retired, and we, we hope now found, with the trustees, we found a replacement. But sadly, that didn't work. Uh, and um, two and a half, no, it be coming up to three years ago now. Um, hope now trustees asked me to come back. Um, initially, there was no money left, so would I do it voluntarily, please? <laughs> and uh, from the beginning of this year, as on a part-time basis. So that, that's where we are now. Uh, and I do bring you greetings from our team in, in Southampton. So they're just myself, uh, Claire, who does the, the newsletter and packs all the boxes. She has a real passion for packing boxes. Can you imagine? I can't imagine anything worse. Um, and Brenda, who does the account. So just the three of us there. Uh, and then we have a team of volunteers coming to, to help with various things like the newsletter and things. But I also bring you greetings from the churches in Ukraine, uh, from many of the pastors you've seen, and you wouldn't recognize their faces, but Pastor Kuzin from uh, First Baptist, um, Skripnik from um, the Church of, Church of, 
hang on, what's it called now? We call it Christmas Church, but they don't like it to be called that. It's the, the, the house, the, the church of the birth of Christ. That's it. The church of the birth of Christ. Um, and, um, house of gospel church. There's, there's several Baptist churches there. And even the small one in, in Smila that we mentioned earlier, where Yuri, the pastor, runs the church, a congregation of probably about 30 or 40 people. Um, and his wife helps to raise funds for that church by selling flowers that she grows. So, all these sort of people are, are praying for you in this country, and, and we've got those to pray for. But I also bring you greetings from the, the Christian churches in Sri Lanka. I haven't mentioned that today because we've been focused on um, Ukraine, but we also work in Sri Lanka to a small extent through something called Farms Lanka, um, working to um, encourage Christians there um, and taking the word out to non-Christians. So there's some of the, the people that we've been working with. Um, and so you can imagine during my travels, and, and my wife Ali often used to come with me, and she still does when we can, um, we're often invited to eat with the various folks, and it's become quite a joyful thing. In fact, um, I have managed to lose some weight by not traveling to Ukraine, <laughs> because we would often visit four or five families in a day, and every family would want to feed us and very well, no matter how little they had, a table this size, size would be piled with food uh, to share with us. And of course, that meant I put on weight. When we traveled to uh, Sri Lanka, it, it was a little bit easier not to eat so much because um, rice and dal wasn't quite so fattening, but sometimes it was very hot on the lips. <laughs> but, um, you know, brothers, Christians um, have always eaten together, haven't they? And we, we think about the... Um, the feeding of 5,000 people, that it's a miracle that we probably all know and, and have heard a lot about. Um, and it's one of the only miracles to be found in all four Gospels now. And it almost defies comprehension, doesn't it? Can you imagine 5,000 people, and they cast those as the men, I think, um, with all their families perhaps sitting there waiting to be fed? Uh, what, what do you do about it? Um, it's quite a difficult thing to think about, isn't it? Um, and how were they going to be done? So it's no surprise that once they'd been sort of traveling around all these days with Jesus, the disciples wanted the folk to, to go away. Uh, they wanted to have a bit of time of peace and rest. And they said to Jesus, well, what are we going to do with these people? He said, send them away. Uh, but Jesus says, no, 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 you don't do that at all. He said, um, you feed them. You feed them. Don't try and hand them over to anybody else. And we know how that story went, don't we? That uh, there wasn't in just enough food to, to feed them all, but there were these baskets of food left over. There was even more left than they expected to have, um, even in the beginning. And it makes us think sometimes about our inadequacies, what we've got, and it certainly does for me. We often think that what we've got is, is not enough. Um, it's not worth very much really and we're not good enough um, but you know sometimes if we act through these smallnesses of what we have got and that we bring it to to God he can do amazing things with it and you know every parable that we can read about um, about God's kingdom every teaching that Jesus ever taught started with something small and often ended in something quite glorious he used the inadequacy of what he had and what those around him had to make a real difference and to 
to be able to make a difference in the lives of others around them. So this particular story was a story of a crowd of people who had very little in common, except they were hungry. They were hungry for both food and they were for hungry for healing. They were hungry for Jesus. And they were fed. There were no questions asked. There were no prerequisites. Um, it's the people who were shown that what they had could be used and that that wasn't the end of the story. Because in this story, we also see Jesus addressing the most essential physical needs of his fellow human beings. Um, he did much the same thing when he, to discuss of, disgust of the religious leaders, he dined with tax collectors and prostitutes and told his well-to-do friends that they're the ones they should invite to the banquets and for the meals, not their rich friends. But by eating with these sinners and the outcasts, Jesus was saying, what was he saying? He was saying, these are my friends, these are my companions. And eventually it got him killed. But he, he could so that he could be raised again in glory. I think sometimes in the church we're tempted to hide God behind beautiful things. And we can become hung up um, on these objects rather than what they're actually pointing to. Uh, so learning to, to see God is often learning to see with new eyes. Uh, and even ordinary things can become quite holy. Um, and when received with, with open hands and, and with hungry hearts, um, the signs of, of Jesus just never cease. The wonders of Jesus never cease. So this is the God who never runs out of holy things. Um, the God who multiplied wine at a wedding, uh, turned these loaves of bread and fish into lunch to feed thousands of people, uh, but it would also leave his, his flock to go looking for that single lost lamb. He won't leave anyone. And, and we have a choice today, don't we? We can join this party if we want to. Uh, we can share in that picnic and drink in this wine of undeserved grace. Um, but we do need to know our own hunger. We need to know that ourselves. We need to know our inadequacy. And we need to know that we can't do it by ourselves as much as we often think we can. My wife often reminds me of that. <laughs> but it wasn't long after this miracle, was it, that uh, Jesus and his uh, followers arrived in Capernaum. Um, and we can read in Matthew 17, I won't read it now, I'm sure you know the story, that uh, Peter was asked whether or not Jesus should pay the temple tax. They were going to the temple. Um, and um, this was a tax to help keep upkeep the temple. Um, and it was... Uh, necessary for everybody over 20 years of age to pay for it uh, and uh, it was worth roughly two days wages uh, and we can read about that in Exodus 30:14, uh, when every person rich or poor had to pay the same amount of money so not to cause offense Jesus says to Peter that they too should pay this tax and that Peter was to go fishing um, and in that fish's mouth, he would find this coin, which would pay the two persons tax. Um, and we sometimes wonder, or I do, why, why did Jesus ask Peter to do that? Why didn't Jesus, the Son of God, just open his hand and there was a coin? Because I'm sure he could have done. Uh, but that, that's not what Jesus wanted, was it? Uh, and I wonder what Peter was thinking too. Uh, was he going to have to sell the fish to try and pay the tax or anything? Um, but that wasn't really Jesus' plan, wasn't it? Because it wasn't so much the tax that Jesus was thinking about here, it was Peter, his follower. Uh, because 
Jesus asks Peter to do something that Jesus knows Peter can do because he's a fisherman, isn't he? Go and catch a fish. You know, you've been doing that for years. So then when he goes to catch this fish, there in its mouth is the coin. So the question today is who achieved the miracle? Was it Jesus or was it Peter? Jesus knew the coin would be there, but it was Peter who caught the fish, wasn't it? It wasn't lying dead on the shore because Peter had to use his skills to catch it. So it was a joint effort. Jesus wanted Peter to know that if he obeyed him, followed him, they would succeed. They would succeed together. So this message for us today is that God has given each and every one of us skills, hasn't he? Skills and abilities for a purpose. Not one of us has got the same skills or abilities as the person next to us or in front of us. We all do so many different things and we can do that in, in different ways. But God is saying, if you use those skills with me, we can double, treble, a hundredfold use your skills and make a difference to so many different people. Just one more brief example. <clears throat> in 2 Kings 4, we can read about the widow um, in and calling on Elisha for help because she was about to lose her two sons. Um, you, can, you can read it for yourselves later. But basically, um, young men were called to, to work as slaves to pay off debts. Uh, and often the case would be that these sons were never returned uh, to the family. Um, so she um, went to Elisha to ask for help because for, she, she couldn't pay her bills, her, her, her debts. Um, and Elisha comes along and says, well, what have you got? How can you help these two, two boys of yours? And she says, I have nothing at all. She says, all I've got is this small jar of oil in my house. So Elisha says to her, well, send your boys out. Go around the village, get all the jars you can find, bring them to the house, and then shut the door and fill them with oil. So again, she's obedient. She, she does just that. She collects all these jars. Um, and the oil doesn't stop flowing, does it, until every jar is completely full. So in contrast to the feeding of 5,000, a public miracle, this is a very private miracle going on behind a closed door. Uh, it sort of demonstrates God's mercy to this poor widow. Uh, and she didn't hesitate to respond to the instructions of the Lord's prophet, did she? So we had bread, and we had fish, and we have oil which are the ingredients of a good, wholesome meal. Um, so let me ask you today which ones that you might relate to. Is it the, the, there's a great big public um, announcement of food almost because of 5,000 people plus being fed. Was it this strange miracle, if you're a fisherman, of perhaps finding that coin? And Peter coming to realise that actually if he worked with Jesus, amazing things could be done. Or was it the, uh, the widow? alone in a house there, trusting only in the Lord when there's nothing else left. A bit like the lady alone that we saw earlier on the picture. And these are questions we have for each and every one of us because the story didn't stop then. The story's been going on for 2,000 years. And, uh, and today, that story is still happening for you and me. Um, if we work with God, amazing things happen, things that we would never expect. And we can give thanks for that, can't we?